1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today.
0: Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we are... Together! Together at last. The
1: dynamic going off track duo. <laughs> it's
0: true. It's been a while <laughs> since we did this. I suppose, yeah. You were on the road. I, I was on the road.
1: You were on the road. I was on the plane. We're on the plane. Yeah. Um, so what's new, Brad? Well, it's springtime in Brooklyn. Or yes, at least it, it was yesterday. Yeah. I don't know about today.
0: I don't know about today either.
1: They are um, raising our neighborhood... By raising it, I mean literally tearing down every standing structure that is not uh residential. it's
0: fucking insane, yeah, it's just cranes
1: everywhere yeah, but and construction sites they just tour the funny thing is is that like this neighborhood where we are is mostly at converse rubber tracks studio converse dot com slash rubber tracks converse slash music
0: slash music dot com backslash <laughs> brad
1: actually most of those will get you there somehow. forward slash but it's like, Music. you know, as you know, it's like, it's an industrial, it's kind of one of the last Williamsburg industrial neighborhoods. Yeah. It's all cinder block. Like everything's a, essentially a one story cinder block building. So, like, when they go to tear them down, they do it like the, across the street, they tore down almost a half a block's worth of buildings in like four days. And the thing is is it wasn't like a bunch of guys with trucks It was like a bunch of Mexican guys with pickaxes Right, right They're just literally knocking down concrete walls So, so yeah
0: But Rubber's Track still standing
1: Still here, man
0: Maintain Maintain was <laughs> um, also maintaining as our guest this week Oh yeah,
1: maintaining in a big way
0: Maintaining in a big way uh, Kristen <laughs> Control You may also know her as uh, Dee Dee from the Dum Dum Girls And, uh, yeah, she has a solo record coming out as Kristen Control called Excommunicate. And it comes out on May 27th on Sub Pop. Rock on, that should be next week. Very soon, yeah. So you can hear, I think she released a single already, Show Me. And, uh, she's going to be touring in June. She's playing, um, Upstate, New Hampshire, Boston, Brooklyn, doing a few dates in June. Um... And probably touring more. And uh, yeah, I didn't really know Kristen going into this, but she lives in Harlem.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. That
0: was interesting. And yeah, and we have a lot of the same friends and she was super cool. She's very smart. Very it's smart. Great,
1: great interview.
0: Yeah, great interview. Super interesting person. And uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Let uh, her speak for herself. Let her speak for herself. So <laughs> here is Kristen Control. Enjoy. It's going on.
1: Hi, and welcome to Jonah's lame podcast. I should not have done this hot yoga class
0: this morning. Oh, yes, was,
2: you should have. I thought
0: it was going to give me all this energy, and I just did feel like... Did it zap like, you? Do you not yeah, just, do it normally? I usually do it later in the day. I've never done it. I did, like, 10 a.m. today.
2: I'm the same way. Really? I, like, don't have good balance until 5 p.m., so yeah. I always do classes at, like, 6.
0: What kind of stuff?
2: I do hot yoga. You do? Yeah. Yeah, I fall over and like positions that aren't a problem for me later on in the day it's like i don't know i think i think it's my sinuses i have like stuff in them or something like it takes me some hours to get my equilibrium that's cool where do you go
0: so i used to do um like a lot of Mysore, and then i got injured and i've been going to this place moto yoga in williamsburg you like it i do like it yeah it's weird because like when you do ashtanga i feel like all the ashtanga teachers are like this is like real yoga. They like, all every yeah. So I like faction was, has that. So like attitude. turned off to other styles, uh-huh. and then I was like, I guess I'll try this because my sister lives in the West Village, and she was going to the same studio there. And I was like, this is so intense. Like I assumed I was like, oh, this will be a piece of cake.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went in like I I uh, I did Pilates and yoga out of like books from the seventies, like since I was a preteen, and then. When I first started doing classes, I, like, jumped into um, Bikram, which was insane. And I did for a year and then was like, this is a cult? No, I... uh, (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, I I had not done any other hot yoga. And then I was traveling for work. I was in Seattle for, like, some sub-pop meeting and I went to, like, a random cheesy... Like yoga studio and just took whatever their basic hot class was. And I was like, oh, I really like this. This is fine. So totally. Never looked back.
0: Um, you good? I'm good. Are you good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be fine. I think if I drink some more of this coffee, I'll be good. Just drink a lot of coffee? Yeah. Lots. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then have a shot of whiskey. <sighs> That's a good idea.
2: It's called a trifecta. You should get a pint of Guinness... And then have, buy a shot of Jameson and you, and you dump that and then you have brought yourself a shot of espresso. Dunk that.
1: Hey man. So like. It's an Irish speedball. Yeah. See, like
0: (laughs) Irish car (laughs) bombs out you just drop them in. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. I've never tried that.
2: Yeah. It's good.
0: My friend is a bartender and he started serving us like Irish car bombs and like, they're so good. I hadn't had one in like 10 years. I was like, (laughs) this is delicious.
2: I feel kind of fucked up saying the name.
0: Yeah, I do too.
2: It's it's super fucked up.
0: Yeah, I wonder what the origin of that is.
1: <laughs> um, the name or the name the drink. Like,
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 Irish beer and whiskey, and is there is there? Although, isn't it with Bailey's? So there's like a curdling thing, or am I confusing well, if you it? Drop with it, it into the
1: it explodes.
2: Yeah, I, that, the I think that's what it is. It's a
0: Two, two, two. it's
1: the
2: fizzies
0: do you ever go to like a sushi place and like there's all those signs that say like no sake bombs
2: No. I feel
0: like I maybe go to like lower rent sushi places but I feel like a lot of them will like cause I think they like a
2: sake right. bomb is the same thing where you do a shot of sake into like a Sapporo or something yeah
0: but it's like it really splashes up like I've been uh, there with like people like, uh, I'm not they break so a lot of glasses
2: the bomb. The, like, it's not really my thing but the the thing I mentioned is good for like it's a higher quality sparks or like four loco type approach to okay, yeah,
0: that's alcohol. true alcohol,
2: and it doesn't involve using
0: drugs, yeah, that's true. what do you think if there was like a coconut water based like alcohol, like if it was like hydrating, but also <laughs> do you think that's something people would be into?
2: I do, but I actually, as I drink my I'm rich, but I'm not um. <laughs> bullshit water um i think kombucha cocktails are the future
0: oh really i've never had a kombucha cocktail Um,
2: But that makes sense yeah just do with like vodka or whatever yeah they also now make um higher alcoholic like intentionally more beer like kombuchas there's one that has a terrible name called kombucha that a few (laughs) bars have on tap that i'm always like yeah because i'm not a beer person okay um, but I will drink some of that for sure.
0: Kombucha. I was thinking about trying yeah. to make it because it's supposed to be pretty easy to make your own kombucha. Yeah, I've
2: made it before. Have you made it? Mm-hmm. It's just like um, waiting, but then you know you have to stay That's on top of it. Part. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> yeah, I almost bought this kit the other day, but then I was worried. You it was don't just, even need a kit. You don't.
2: No. In fact, when I made mine, I think I Googled it, and like a Brooklyn blog came up and walked you through it. But I just you just save. The like teeny mother slime from a store-bought kombucha. Okay. And then you just grow it basically, which consists of feeding it sugar, you know? So you make a a tea with a ton of sugar and then you put that thing in it and then you just let it chill in a cupboard with cheesecloth cover for like, I don't know, I can't remember now, a couple weeks. And the, the mother ends up being like a real one.
0: You don't need like a special kind of jar or anything? It's just kind of...
2: Um, I was using like a really big mason jar. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you can buy the kit. I'm sure it'd be easier, but sometimes I... Um, I both respect and hate when people like make things easier, but charge you a lot for yeah, it. You buy a yeah. kit
1: and you get it and you're like, fuck, this is a jar yeah. and directions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm like, uh, you that's should a good idea. D- yeah. D-I-Y. It really
2: was that simple. And okay. then it's like once you have, you do like a couple different stages of growing it, like making more tea and adding it. And then at a certain point, you just take it, just like goes on and on and on, and, on and you can add fruit juice or like ginger or whatever your thing is i will say i never made one that tasted as good as like ones that i've bought really same with i make sauerkraut too and it's like okay yeah (laughs) but i refuse to pay seven dollars for what is essentially a 69 cent head of cabbage yeah
1: and salt
2: yeah that's all it is Though you just stuff it in a jar with salt yeah and it that's all it is
1: You let it rot but it wasn't good? Yours wasn't good?
2: It wasn't bad. It just wasn't, it wasn't like as good as the stores? No. I don't I think mean, I've
1: ever made sauerkraut.
2: I think I just haven't made it enough. It was right. like I made it a handful of times. It's hard to do fermenting stuff when you travel a lot. So like when i have <laughs> pockets of time, you know, so it gets a little dangerous. Your feet. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah. It just wasn't as tasty. I was like, I I clearly like haven't figured this out completely. Right. There's
1: a secret ingredient.
2: Little I think it's patience or understanding or something. No good. Can't do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Mm. So you live in New York, Mm -hmm. but you're from California originally?
2: Yeah, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from a suburb near Berkeley, California. Okay. I went to college at UC Santa Cruz. I moved to Southern California for a couple of years, moved back to the Bay Area, and then moved out here. So I've been here about five years.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
2: And I've always lived really far away from other people, like top of upper east side and then now i'm in harlem
0: sort of nice why was there uh, like why <laughs> why <laughs> not, not in a judgmental way i'm just curious
2: um it was two twofold um since i was a little kid i like you know romanticized the like new york stuff that took place in the city so i like had it in my head i was going to live in like the east village or something <laughs> yeah you know. um and then it was more like that's a really hard move to make Obviously, across country, and you need all this money, and like, uh, what's going to happen? Um, but my manager, who is from New York but has lived in London for like ten years, just mentioned once, like, "Oh, I I have kept my apartment in New York that I've had since like '94, and I my subletter just gave me notice, so I got to find someone to move in." And I was like,
1: and "That was in Harlem."
2: Oh uh, no, it was ninety fifth and second, so r- uh, literally right. just at the border of, like, Yorkville and um, where Harlem starts. So uh, I asked him if I could make our relationship, like, even more (laughs) incestuous and he could become my landlord. And he was like, yeah. So I didn't have to, you know, pay a deposit or anything. It was so, so chill. And um, it was huge. Unfortunately, it was kind of a shitty building, so um, it didn't have the, like, nice little pre-war touches that being from San Francisco and, like, having lived in the Mission, like, there's, like, nothing that feels quite like looking up and seeing that little corner, you know, that's all pretty. Um, so the building itself was pretty cheap, but it was huge. It was a two-floor, like, open loft thing that he had put up walls himself and, like, made a bedroom, small bedroom and office that, like, had doors. And then there was, like, now an oddly-shaped living room space, kitchen, and then, like, spiral steps up to the huge second floor was just my bedroom but he had closed off the steps so there was privacy so it was amazing um and it was really cheap it was like 2200 and we had a roommate and she lived downstairs we live upstairs and it wow. was like perfect we paid 18 800 each you oh know just God. split it down the thirds or whatever but i think they got sick of him subletting or i think they caught wind of it um and when one of the one of the winters the storm we were on the seventh floor and like our ceiling started leaking and we had this huge cave in and had a hole and they repaired it they did a shitty job and so the next winter like the first snow same thing happened and I was on tour and my husband was on tour and our roommate was maybe not it was just working so much that no one could follow up and harass them. Like, right. fucking fix this hole in our apartment. Like, it's leaking. It's ruining our couch. Like, I'm allergic to all mold. Like, this sucks. Oh, yeah. um, and I just reached a point where I was like, I'm, I can't deal with this. It's right. not it's not worth it. Um, then I moved to 85th and York f- for a year. And that was too real Upper East Side yeah. for me. It's I, pretty Upper East Side. So then I... Rebelled and went to Spanish Harlem because I found this incredible two bedroom, like 1900 building exposed fireplace. Like,
1: what you want in Harlem,
2: yeah. So right that's there. where I am now.
0: Gotcha. Oh, cool. When you're home, do, or do you like hang out? I mean, I imagine like after touring, do you like to just kind of hang out around, around your place or do you go out a lot in New York or what's your um, <clears> it
2: depends in general. My like default, I'm like pretty homebody yeah um i have to like remember that i need to like be social (laughs) um but living there is like pretty conducive to just staying there obviously um i started djing a lot okay in the last couple months and i dj mainly in the east village and in chinatown so where do you dj Um, I was doing, like, a weekly at Berlin until I started traveling about a month ago, um, which was cool. It was, like, whatever, kind of rock-based. Try to play always, like, a lot of women, whatever genre I'm doing. Um, and then I also DJ at Mr. Fong's in Chinatown, where I do more of, like, a kind of weird dance
0: thing. Have you done stuff in Night of Joy?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, that was, like, where I would do one-offs cuz I'm friends with Jen. Me too. Yeah. yeah so I've done it that was too. like, you know, she'd be like, "Oh, here, I'll hook you up yeah. with like a night."
0: I think I've seen your name on like those like Yeah, yeah, yeah. when she, she
2: does was... the band stuff. Yeah. 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 But yeah. this was more like I had to start hustling to make some money. So Gotcha. Yeah. Um it's fun. I really like it, but it doesn't really it's not a social experience typically. The Mr. Fong's nights are Maybe that might be my favorite place to DJ. I don't know if you've ever been there.
0: No, I've never been there.
2: I really like it. I really like one of the owners and the DJ booth is like in the corner, kind of next to where a makeshift kitchen is and you kind of can see everything and it's small enough. And I feel like this might just be like the optimistic take on it, but everybody there while like looking pretty cool um they don't vibe me like jaded at all like they're they enjoy themselves it's like in terms of like being the dj it's the best audience i've ever had because nobody is like whiny and makes requests like people come up and ask me what i'm playing or say like i love this or whatever so i'm like yeah it feels really positive
0: how do you sort of handle the requesting when someone requests something that like you would never play
2: because um, i would just say
0: yeah sure and then just don't do it
2: it depends yeah sometimes yeah it's really funny and and there's a couple different ways that I play it out usually I'm like very opposed to requests but then when it's like a night where there's good energy like that if the request fits into like not like I do things like super exclusive genre wise but I remember the first time I DJed at Mr. Fong's I was only playing women um and, like, toward the end of the night, when probably the concept of the night was no longer clear, you know, to whoever, like, the new wave of people right. that were there, this kid came up to me and asked me to play PopCon, um, who's like a Jamaican sort of reggaeton pop singer. He's been, he's, he's been, like, featured in things. Like, I think I knew him from, like, a Jamie XX song or something. Super good. But I was like, I'm only, like, I'm no. Right. Sorry. I'm only playing women. And, he was like dude you really need to check him out he's really good and i was like okay so i like checked it out i was like that's really good so then i played it um which was fine um
1: it's good to be flexible
2: for sure and i like all good music and it was like three in the morning so it's not a big deal um at berlin it's like a rock and roll bar like all of the like whatever
1: i know jesse really well
2: Yeah, so you know the vibe. So so I get like obnoxious drunk people that ask me to play hip hop, or you know, like they want something that they can dance to that you know, like work isn't doing it for them or something. And so, you know, I'm relatively patient, and I'm also just not good at being like "fuck off." Right. Working on it, I'm like looking for a class or a book to help me with that. Um, But this one couple, they're just like. (laughs) Why are you here? Like, I'm not playing any of the music you repeatedly are asking for. And I'm just not. Like, it's just not what's happening tonight. Like, I'm only playing whatever. And then we started talking. And I think I had put on, like... um, I don't know, like, a later Primal Scream or, like, Depeche Mode or Pet Shop Boys or something that, like, you know, fit what I was doing. But but the dude, like, appreciated that he could, like, dance to it. right? And so then we had a common ground and then what we came up with was chemical brothers and and that worked for both of us and then they left and it was a relief <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i can be so obnoxious i had a girl i was with dj actually jesse's other place niagara one time and
2: mm. this
1: girl came up and she's like can you play green day and i go you mean other than this green day song that's on right now
2: no <laughs> yeah really yeah Wow,
1: that was typical for that. Place.
2: Unrelated, but kind of related. Today, I had a series of interviews, and I'm I talk too much. I'm like really tired, but I'm also really caffeinated, so I get long winded. So I tried to set alarms to like remind myself, like, oh, I need to leave and go to this next one. And my alarm is if you've, if you've never had Heroes, the song is your alarm. I highly recommend it because I've had it for I don't know, maybe six months now, but I've done it over the, the last 10 years, like every couple of years, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that's such a pleasant way to wake up. So anyway, I set it to that, and it went off. Wow, at the Ace Hotel, the song was on, and so I thought I was listening to the song, and like right. the guy that was interviewing me was like, is your phone on? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, that's my alarm. He's like, is that, is that Bowie? I was like, yeah. He's like, this song? And I was like, what? It's a sign. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> it's it like a double.
1: It's like double you alarm. really
2: need to go. <laughs> You're really gonna be late. I
1: didn't know you could set a song for an alarm.
2: Yeah. It's yeah, I don't know. Somewhere in the inter- setting. Any
1: sound for anything. I fucked up. I fucked myself for a song because I used "Police on My Back," the Clash song, as like a ringtone for when the alarm company calls from here yeah. calls me. So like the only time I would hear that because it starts with the guitar na 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 so it's always bad so it's really piercing yeah Yeah. Yeah. so like I'd get I'd get this fucking call at two in the morning from like the alarm company that like there was an (laughs) alarm sensor had gone off it's never been anything like a break in so far yet but not is
2: that like the equals song it's a
1: Clash song
2: I know but is it is my brain not the equals my Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, it's a 60s song. Equals.
1: Oh, it's a cover.
2: That's what I Run think. Running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: may be wrong, but I may be right. <laughs> <Just kidding>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, now every time I hear the Clash song, it fucking
0: I hate, it makes me anxious. Uh, yeah. yeah, that sucks, so dude. Yeah, that, like, that sucks. You should change it to something you
1: hate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Have you considered heroes?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm wondering how that would if it was an alarm. It just makes everything sound nice. Yeah, that is definitely.
2: Cause just think about it. How joyous is that? Like,
1: (laughs) I was reading an article about that um, when he did that. Um, That's what's his name? Eno? No, it's not. Eno. It's the guitar player. What's the guitar player's name? Eno produced it, right? I don't know, man. Oh, come on, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's part of that. The whole Berlin.
1: But. It's the guitar player who, like, is really known for that kind of ambient guitar stuff.
2: Is it Frippy? Yeah, Fripp. Robert.
1: Yeah. And supposedly, like, the way he does that, it's not feedback. It's like, or no, it is feedback. It sounds like it's like a um, slide or something. But it's just him playing, like, leaning into the speakers and getting the feedback and then multi-tracked.
2: That's amazing. And that's like a hook. Yeah. Feedback hook. That's crazy. It's awesome. Super cool.
1: How did you
0: kind of get exposed to, like... 60s music and that type of stuff?
2: Um, that was the first thing I was exposed to just through my parents. Um, they were both teachers, but like came from, you know, music-loving households, I guess. And my dad was a singer and, or is a singer in the shower. Um, <laughs> but like the the lineage of singing is is on his side. And then my mom was just a fan and he was about 14 years older than her. And so they had like their own you know, favorites, and they had a really small record collection, and I think I had a Miss Piggy record player or, like, some child Sesame Street record player or something. Um, so, yeah, through her, it was, like, classics. She was, um, like, a 60s, you know, kid, So she, and in California. So Beatles, Stones, and then all the, like, San Francisco stuff, like Big Brother, Jefferson Airplane, that stuff, and then L.A., Doors, wo- you know, whatever, that kind of thing. And then my dad was really into crooners and um, just singers from all genres. So I got into, I guess, like early 60s, kind of like jazz vocalist stuff. And then um, I guess a little more on the 50s side, but like, you know, Billy Holiday and Elvis and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of just like born into that.
0: Gotcha. What that about, was the
2: normal stuff.
0: What about when you started playing guitar? Like what were some of the stuff like you wanted to learn or like the first songs? Um, or-
2: well, I my dad, as I said, was a teacher and he taught at San Leandro High School and he taught like industrial arts. So he whatever. He taught there forever and um, was friends with one of the music teachers. And I at the time... This was middle school. So I was in orchestra. I played the violin and like, you know, I was a singer too, but like very closeted. Um, but I was, star I like grunge happened, you know? So I had cut my hair like Angelina Jolie and Hackers and like freaked my parents out and wore safety pins and... Loved Courtney Love, etc., and I must have expressed some interest in like playing guitar. So my dad, probably trying to avoid like the amplified noise thing, got a really beautiful '60s like nylon string guitar from his coworker, and gave that to me. Um, and then I, I remember I called my friend, my best friend Sean, at the time. And I had him, like, teach me how to tune it, because he was, like, one of the young, really good at guitar type, you know, in bands from 12 years old or something. And he helped me tune it, and then he wrote out Tab for me. So, the first song I ever learned on guitar was Man Who Sold the World, coincidentally. Uh Um, Although, this was, like, through the Nirvana thing. Um, And then I learned 1979. Okay. And then, I'm going to cop to this, I learned Glycerine by Bush. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I like was really hung up on the sound that sliding bar chords made, oh, yeah. it like really bothered me. Now I love it, but like I felt like it was indicative of me doing something wrong, and I was really a perfectionist, uh, at that point. And um, just like kind of just said whatever, um, and started instead writing songs like on a weird little Casio keyboard that was my outlet at that point. And in high school. I took a guitar class, um, as an elective one quarter of, I think my sophomore or junior year, potentially motivated by like a boy, potentially like a cute boy. Um, and I somehow made it through an entire quarter of this class and like made no progress and my choir teacher taught this guitar class and i was like you know a total nerd in high school like a weird nerd but like a straight a goody two-shoes type total choir nerd so she must have just given me a pass for like really not learning much in this guitar class but it was like a nice break now that i think about it i was like i did way too much stuff at that age like I, f- I went through like a burnout my first year of college because I was oh, like, oh my God, why did kids. I why did I work so hard <laughs> in fucking high school? I'm going to UC Santa Cruz, like by choice, but like I could have taken a breather in high school <laughs> if I knew I was going to end up there, you know? Um, so I think that class kind of functioned as like a little bit of a break in my day. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was like, I had to be at school at, like 7 o'clock in the morning yeah. and I was there every day.
2: And I did like sports year-round and i did like musical theater and like all these activities uh
1: but did you do the like the senior year blow-off when you after you get accepted to college you no. just fucking no blow all off the way second semester nope. really
2: <laughs> no not at all no i like
1: <laughs> what was the point at that point because they always say like Learning? i was
2: a nerd yeah <laughs> i was like really motivated to learn okay um no, that's great I got Pratt, the, stop bullying up, <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah.
2: I was uh, flying back from Berlin a couple days ago, and I was sat on the plane. It was like You're three really tying seats. this whole
1: Bowie thing in together. Not even meaning to. That's so
2: funny. <laughs> no, this is like an age joke. Um, three, you know, three seats. I'm at the window. I uh, this whole little press trip I'd been on. Every single flight I had was at seven in the morning, which meant I had like to get up at four thirty. For like a whole week and I just spent two or three weeks on the west coast so my body was just like I don't even know you anymore (laughs) you know and I was like taking sleeping pills and like drinking a gallon of coffee just like to try to sort of anyway I'm on the plane middle seat's empty dude is there I'm like dude you know I can tell I'm a, a little bit older but I'm like oh he's probably like I don't know mid twenty, maybe still in college, I don't know. Whatever, we don't talk at all. We're approaching landing, you know, many hours later, I've watched Sisters, the, like, Tina Fey movie, and, like... How was it? I thought it was kind of dumb, but I laughed out loud so many times that okay. it, I think it was great. I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty. Fun. <laughs> I love her. She, it was funny. Anyway, I look over at this kid and he's reading a fucking AP history like prep exam book, which means he's like either a junior or a senior in high school. And I was like, oh my god, I totally took that <laughs> class sixteen years ago. <laughs> I am two of yous. I am two of yous. Like. <laughs> <sighs> yeah anyway, that was all good luck. <laughs> I mean, how does it
0: like when you're doing a press tour is it do you just get sick of talking? I mean, I'd imagine especially a tour like this, people are like, Why are you <clears throat> playing under your name? like I imagine you get a lot of the same questions,
2: yeah, I mean, definitely, you know at the start of something, there's obviously a lot of you know groundwork to be laid, just like the basics, but uh no, I really like it, and there's something extra well it it's just specific to these like european press tours where it's it's not like i mean today for example i've been running around and i've had like a whole lineup of things but that's not very usual that's more just so that it's easier for me to knock everything out normally it's like you have one thing randomly one day whatever but over there yeah it's i think it probably just makes you feel um I don't know. It's just a trip, but, like, people are really nice to you. It's, like, an excuse to travel. Um, I've found, although I didn't go to France this time around, but, like, the way, the tone that um, journalists use with you in Paris, for example, you just feel like they, they legitimately regard you as an artist, you know? Oh, really? Which is cool (laughs) but you know it's like oh wow you would probably like they're just like extra thoughtful questions especially if like you have at any point ever mentioned that you read books (laughs) or like mention like whatever that you like some french something or other like it, it goes far um yeah german like my experience in germany is usually um there's some like real blunt yeah things that happen you know like at the end of one of my interviews the the writer was like well i still haven't fully wrapped my head around this album (laughs) (laughs) cool but you know that's better than yeah i I actually much more prefer your second record and why don't you do it more like that now
1: yeah, I that's like, pretty. That uh, sounds pretty uh, mellow for German.
0: Yeah, I've heard people <laughs> like I've been in the podcast. i been like, last time you came, you look good. Now you look fat. Why? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, I mean that. There's something to be said for like. Uh, I appreciate that. Like, it's it's more irritating to, for people to be like to placate or be like right. hyper polite. Right. You know, like I I uh, studied German. Went I went to college there for a year. Like I. I'm uh, familiar with that, Um, and I think it's good for me personally to be around. um, Not just like linguistically; it's very direct. Um, But yeah, there there can be like there's no tiptoeing around a lot of the times. Um, It's good for me because it makes me a little uncomfortable, and it's probably good to be a little
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, When it comes to so you've you've your your solo record coming out next month? Or May? It's April what my, eh, hmm.
2: It's What
0: month? I know it's 420 today.
2: Oh my god! Yeah. Do you have any weed?
0: I don't, sadly. <sighs> well, actually, maybe. We'll talk after. It might. <laughs> um, yeah, so you don't have any special plans, obviously.
2: I didn't think <laughs> of what the day was. No, you know what the thing is? I mean... Uh, no one will deliver to Harlem. Oh, Um in terms of like your, you know, your like fancy text service bullshit. So, and I haven't definitely know one of my neighbors deals, but like he's younger than me, and I just like I feel a little morally weird about like (laughs) you know, or just like I wouldn't, I would never want to contribute to him getting in trouble for like right. selling uh, weed, like whatever. So, anyway, I, I'm sitting on the solution, but I can't bring myself to take advantage of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah when, it might
1: be a bit too nice. Yeah.
2: I'm too nice. You <laughs> are really nice. I know, yeah. I, it's a thing.
1: Well, is that,
0: like, can you be, like, do you, like, try to avoid confrontation? That's. A, I mean, I do too,
1: but, I like, don't try
2: to avoid it. Um, I, I avoid it. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's not my natural thing I but you know I always make it worse by avoiding you know I and I recognize that um I (laughs) I was at this bar I used to go to a lot in Berlin I used to spend a lot of time there like one month of summer for like quite a few years um and there's a bar there called Noi great name super cool same logo and everything (laughs) really yeah and uh my good friend who's the guy that actually signed me to SubPOP. So like in effect, responsible for like everything for taking a chance on me. Um, He now lives there and works for SoundCloud. And after harassing him about helping me develop an app idea, he was just like, go away. (laughs) Like, this is what I do for a living. I'm not. No, no. Um, We were somehow talking about, Yes, the this the hard conversations or whatever and and he was like, "Oh, I just read a self-help book called Difficult Conversations and it has a method and it's like a step-by-step thing." And I found it really helpful because he now like manages a team. He has like 10 people under him and he's very nice and very smart and like good at his job, but like not maybe not the natural like you know, more alpha leader type. So, I may or may not have put it on my Amazon.
0: Interesting. Have wish list.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I have a friend who like has a corporate job and he has to like fire people. And, yeah, like, that's he's like
2: the same thing. That's what led him to this. Yeah, book.
0: He'll be like, someone came in my office today and started crying, and I was like, "Well, it's not really your job to talk to him." He's like, "Well, it sort of is my job."
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, difficult conversations.
0: Difficult
1: conversations.
2: And it's a list, and like for me, that is helpful. I'm like. Oh, there are directions that I can follow.
1: That is helpful. Maybe. I might need that list.
2: Yeah. Well, is Kindle like Netflix? Can you share? Uh,
0: You can, but it's like a very roundabout way. Oh.
2: You'd have to like add all these yeah, devices, you, pretend they're yours type basically.
0: thing. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or, we're
2: not close enough for that. No, it's like, no. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, You can also borrow books, I think, somehow. Really? Like, from Kindle. Like, yeah, certain books, like, you can have. They're,
2: like, rent that's, like, a time. Yeah. and you
0: can also do it from the public library here. No. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Yeah, this is... I talk about this all the time because it makes me so mad. <laughs> you so, can
2: get books at... Yes. There's you, a place that...
0: The public library yeah. has, like, a whole system. No. But they make you wait for books the same way they would with actual Real books. books. Yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> digital books, they treat it the same as... You
2: know what? Somebody told me this, and I... <laughs> i I think it was um the drummer and dumham girls used to like check out ebooks or whatever yeah. from like I think maybe the l a library has it also okay because it blew my mind well it's, it's that infuri- thing blew my mind it's
0: infuriating because that be, element yeah, I'd be like, I want this this book and they'd be like, great, like there's only four people at the of you, so you'll get it in like a month. I'm You're like,
2: like it's digital I'm like, dude. What? why can't we all have it <laughs> it's at <bits> once? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and they are like it's yeah i it, I like couldn't wrap my head around I mean, I guess. If you could get it, like no one would buy digital books if every library could. Like, yeah, it learn.
2: might be a, it might be part of like a term, terms of whatever they're. Well,
1: yeah, because when you first said it, it, is. So, it sounded to me, it just it sounded infuriating. But then the more I thought about it, I think that the way a library works is that they're, you know, the, essentially the publisher grants them a certain amount of copies that they can then distribute to the public. Because, okay. yeah, it's not in the best interest of the publisher. I know. That would be <clears throat>
2: just making it completely free.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, I've i had a lot of authors...
2: But it's more infuriating yeah. because it's not tangible. It's so yes. like, there's no reason why I can't have it now. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah you're just making this rule up.
1: <laughs> oh you can have it now you just buy it
0: i've had yeah. a lot of authors on this podcast and a lot of them i found through just like checking out random books at the library no and seeing they live here but i always feel weird they're like like oh what do you think of the book i'm like good i got from the library and i feel like i'm <laughs> always like i didn't pay for it
1: cheater like it
0: feels no. like no
2: i i mean anytime i hear that my music is in the library that's like the coolest thing ever i my backup plan was librarian which is funny because that may be harder in terms of finding a job
0: yeah that's true especially now yeah
2: Yeah. um Uh, here's
0: another thing that i don't understand about reading uh (laughs) how how can digital books be cheaper than physical books on amazon which i feel like happens all the time where they're like you can download it for eight dollars or you can like buy like a paperback for
1: like five dollars um hardcovers are cheaper than kindle
0: it's it's just weird sometimes i don't understand how how a digital thing can cost more than a physical thing. Because they have to print it, it, they have to ship it. Yeah,
2: I mean, it might just be because it's still, like, new media type thing. There isn't, like, the the leverage or something. because
1: you've spent $300 on this fucking reader. You're going to read your damn book on that, and they know it, and And they're going to charge you as much as they can, man. Yeah,
2: I think it's just taking advantage of, like, a new business model thing. Totally taking
1: advantage. Do you do the digital Kindle type thing? I
2: do for uh, longer traveling. Like, I took... I took it to this little trip that I did for about a week. But um, I really still like reading books a lot. There's some kind of satisfaction in like, you know, just the physical act of it. I like reading like before bed sort of thing or on the subway. I love seeing people reading on the subway, like a book. Yeah, It makes me super happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good.
2: But I do have trouble at times reading on tour because I get carsick really easily, so I'm working on that.
1: Yeah, that sucks. That used to happen to me a lot. I got over it, but reading is even worse than like
2: watching TV or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I um, but why. I started doing like I started experimenting to see if using like a Kindle was oh. less likely to make me. Um, I I didn't reach a conclusion. I have no. <laughs> I had no hypotheses, and I have no. Yeah, reading is really
1: bad for car sickness. You can there's like physical things you can do for car sickness, you know. Like uh um, throw up.
2: Yeah, you can throw <laughs> up.
1: But no, if you like if you have um if you're sitting in a really soft seat and you're not really like touch like if you touch something solid
2: That'd like helpful arm
1: out? rest or something, yeah. Interesting. I think reading is just really tough if you are prone at all to car sickness. Yeah. More so than like like I said, like watching T V but
2: I just sleep.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, is the, the solution at
0: this point? That's yeah. good too. Um, I was sort of listening to the, your new record. Sort of. I was I was listening to it, but I kept getting interrupted. Oh, ah, so sort of that. Yeah, I totally, was trying to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that sounded like a, like a weird like European thing to say. <laughs> like I was sort of listening to it. I was really listening to it, but there's a lot of other things sort of, going yeah, on. Cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, well, I feel like that way a lot. Like I feel like I'll. I get so many records in the mail and like, or digitally now, but yeah, I'll like be so excited to hear something and then I'll be doing something while I'm doing it. And then the record's over. I'm like, I didn't, don't remember uh, anything I do that all the time. <laughs> and I really
1: wanted yeah. to listen to it. And then you this. go back and listen to it again yeah. and then you get distracted again. again. Re- I do that
2: with reading sometimes too, though, where I'm like, I'll have to read the same page like multiple times because I'm yeah. like
1: eavesdropping yeah. to the
2: couple next to me or like, you know.
0: Right. I think my attention span's gotten worse. I feel like I used to be able to read for hours. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. now Everybody's like has. yeah, it's it's a trip. It sucks, but um, and then I was reading. I was reading about your record. Um, fully immersed in this press release, mm. um, maybe Becca Road or something, and uh, it was referencing like sort of like 80s pop, like sort of like Debbie Gibson or like stuff like that. And I was curious, like how that may be figured into the record cuz that seems um very different from maybe like Dum Dum Girl stuff or like i
2: don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um well let me first okay. clarify that um the <laughs> the day that we announced this project like for real, the day that that press release went out. So, you know, there had been I don't know, like a couple weeks of prep for that. Like I met and did like a long interview with the person that was going to write the, you know, like new bio or whatever. It was a big deal because it was this whole new thing. Um, And she wrote like a really great piece and I'm a control freak. So I like go through and edit everything and I'm like looking at it. And it's always interesting to me because I like I talk about everything. You know, I, I talked as much about Janet Jackson as I did about, I don't know. Robert Fripp in the, you know, in in our chat. But it's interesting to see what people like hone in on or pull out, you know, from their perspective. So she had um, definitely included a lot of references, you know, um, to that era of like whatever 80s, early 90s pop singer, which I admittedly like loved as a kid, like in the moment when it was real time. Right. That was my jam. Um, But I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's, that's like, Somewhat one-dimensional, and I don't want this record to be like written off as like, oh, from one, you know, pastiche to the other. Right. <laughs> you know? right totally. So I pulled that out. Okay. And somehow there was like the secondary press release that was like a much shorter version of this bio, um, where I was left off like the copy or something. Okay. And so you know, I fucking. Didn't sleep at all the night before. I was like Christmas, like total anxiety. Knew I needed to wake up like at eight AM to like watch it all unroll. And like I decided I was going to be like really vocal on Twitter if people were like calling bullshit, or you know, I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know right. if I was going to get a lot of kickback for like starting over or something. Um, so the first thing I read, I think maybe Stereo Gum led off with it or something. And I and I and I'm like reading this thing, and I'm like, where'd that, why do they, why, okay, first of all, <laughs> that quote that, that's a quote that I probably said, but I, I like, sure as hell did not allow that to stay, like, I sound like an idiot, or like, why is, hmm, yeah. how, hmm, and I, I, like, have, like, a panic attack, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand, like, where do they get this information, like, what is this thing that they're referencing, and it created this Huge confusion because everybody thought I was like aware that there was this kind of like secondary shorter thing. And so when I'm saying, like, what are they quoting this from? Like, what who sent them something that has this part that I fully edited out? Because it's going to like cast, uh, it's going to be like, this is a synth pop record where she sings like Mariah Carey, or you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like,
1: yeah. right,
2: um. And it ended up like whatever. I like it was good for me. I like processed it over three hours, and at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I do love Janet Jackson. It's okay. Grace. Like, <laughs> I am silly. I just wouldn't have led with that. Like, fine. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, the 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 story really was just um, aside from like the the obvious '60s stuff that was my first exposure to music from my parents which was a big part of Dum Girls because it was what I was referencing when I was learning how to write songs. Um, and then obviously, like, 70s punk stuff, same sort of thing. Like, the first songs I relearned on guitar once I finally, like, committed to getting over the, like, whatever sound. Um, you <laughs> know, <or> like, Ramones <laughs> and Bob Dylan and Velvet Underground. Um, but the first music that was, like, mine, mine, you know, like beyond what my parents played at home was, you know, that era of pop music. And it was, excuse me, a little bit from the radio in the car maybe because at home we had an oldie station or like talk radio on 24-7. And then um, I took dance from like kindergarten onwards. So, you know, like I did routines to Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson and Madonna and all that stuff. So I think that's where that came from. And I thought I was going to be a dancer first. Like I felt, I was like, this is kind of a funny story too. Um, I uh, I was painfully shy. Like when I, up until I think I went to kindergarten, I was like really precocious and like, you know, entertaining and not loud, but like an only child kind of like, right. ah. Um, and then my little brother was born. And then I went to kindergarten and I became like, it was like a slap in the face. I became like painfully self-aware. I like had no self-confidence, no self-esteem, like went became a mute. And like that was basically what the rest of my education or like school experience was until I went to college. Um, but somehow in my dance classes, which were once or twice a week, they were twice a week because I, I took like a couple of different classes. I somehow retained that, like, initial personality and was sort of like class clown, even. But just in, like, this one weird, like, hour chunk, like a weekly hour chunk. And it was with people that I, you know, grew up with, essentially, like, I took dance with them from age 4 until 17. But that's the only place that I knew them. But, like, if you were to run into, like... I can't remember their names now, Jamie or Jenny or something and ask them like, "Oh, what was she like?" They would have said that I was like kind of a jackass and like loud yeah, a whole different and like
1: perspective.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> which was like not at all the case. But anyway, that stuff I was really into in elementary school. Um and it was partially because of the dance thing because it was like the full pop package, you know, like the singer, dancer thing and I just really liked that. Um and I never stopped liking that. I just got, I just became like an indie kid or whatever.
0: Yeah. My sister, I have a younger sister, is two years younger, and she was really into that stuff too. But yeah, yeah and she was just watching that video, that pub duo video, um, Opposite to Tract. Yeah. Which is crazy that they, that MC Scat Cat thing, because it's just weird to see like a <laughs> pop star hanging out with like a cartoon character, <laughs> but kind of cool.
2: There was some, yeah, pretty incredible videos back when the video was. See a family guy.
1: So I mean, yeah. of that video. No. <laughs> oh wow. because dressed like a cat. <laughs> it's pretty good. Sounds I like great. Family Guy.
2: <laughs> the bird, bird is the word, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that another, an that's another oh, yeah, good yeah, that's bit. So yeah.
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like I like driving a joke into the ground. So. Yeah, that one takes that it like really... that's like ten
2: minutes or so. Yeah. It just like never lets up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Peter.
0: I mean, what um, what was sort of like the impetus for sort of. I guess like whatever you want to call it's like a solo record or something I mean did you feel like you just wanted to do something different or was it was it interesting Um, to explore a different aesthetic or
2: yeah I mean yes to both of those questions but those are maybe like more superficial things like it it was um and a lot of this too is like Things that I felt, but I didn't really, like, identify or expand on why I was feeling this way. But I started to feel, like, and really, uh, I think the point was driven home to me uh, with the last Dunham Girls record where, you know, like, I've tried record to record to expand on the sound and make progress. Like, it was a lot more obvious... Um, stylistically from the first record to, say, the second record. And, and I put, like, a little EP stepping stone in there because it went from me recording, not knowing what I was doing myself, to, like, working with an engineer, basically. So, like, obviously, there was, like, a big sonic step up there. And then as I just, you know, learn more chords on the guitar, you know, like, it, it went, uh, you know, and then also, it's like I didn't want to be the Ramones... So i'm not like as good at, at like really perfecting like a relatively consistent thing you know and i get bored so it was like i i want to do different things and it it allowed dumb dumb girls like allowed growth without any issue uh, until i feel like my last record and I think these are all like thoughts I've I've had recently, where it was like I kn- my EP before that, which is called End of Days, um, I think it was five songs, and they were like pretty different song to song. Um, and I was really proud of that record. And then with Too True, which I'm also proud of, um, I think I I think I like forced it a little bit. Like I remember when I think about it now, it was like. I really tried to surround myself with certain books and certain records because I was trying to like take this sort of you know leap into this other area. But it was like I almost went at it like a little too aggressively or something. Um, and so I think I overshot what Dum Dum Girls was like capable of performing, and so they're they're was a discrepancy between like the record and the live version to some degree um and it was also the first time i started you know i don't i'm not like I don't seek out criticism or whatever you know like i I'm like sensitive to some degree but I'm also just like i you can't care you know right. if if you're motivated by yourself you know by what you're doing like you should just keep doing that that's that's gonna be um Authentic, like, if you start, you know, you never would want to cater to, like, oh, well, they won't like that, so I won't do that. Um, But anyway, it was the first time where I was seeing how something that, to me, made sense that I had gone on to do was getting um, or was being heard through, like, the filter of, like, whatever this template of dum dum Girls, like, is or isn't. And it wasn't, like, an objective understanding of the song it was like how does this relate to what i think Dum Dum girls sounds like kind of thing okay and so you know throughout the course of touring to true you know that it was just kind of like growing pains where i was like oh wow like i i think it's not that i took it too far but like i think that i i like i'm just i'm i'm seeing resistance to like where i'm trying to go or like i'm seeing that um, I've, like, kind of, like, isolated myself from some group of fan. Like, they don't get why I'm doing this. Or it was the first time that I was, like, oh, I miss, like, early Dumb Dumb. You know, it was, the, it was, like, I started to see that a lot, which I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> um, But anyway, so, you know, the more I, I thought about it um, and tried to, like, I took, you know, some time off and got a little perspective. I was just, like, I think I've... I think I've hit the ceiling, and I think that no matter what I put out, it's going to be, it's going to funnel back through like garage rock, all girl, retro, like whatever. These like very, very specific and like archetype. I mean, you know, these, these very defined things. And it wasn't a problem before but now it's a problem because i am still on my like ever forward <laughs> journey um and i know what i'm going to do next is going to be like so much beyond you know whatever the last thing i did was and it's going to it's it's now working against me it's like do i put out my fourth record um like how how would it even land if it's if it's being judged you know, uh, about how it fits into like the legacy of whatever Dum Girls is. And so it was, there was like a whole back and forth with Sub Pop about like what the next step was and if we were gonna take it together or, you know, what was gonna happen. And we landed at like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna make a fourth record. But I was like, I'm not gonna worry about any of that. And instead, I'm going to like open the whole thing up to, like, anything that I feel like doing. Not write a song and say, oh, well, that's a good song, but it's not, like, appropriate for Dum Dum Girls. Like, I didn't want to ever say that again. Um, So, yeah, I just decided I was really going to go for it, and I, like, got different producers because I'd worked with the same people for every record, and I was like, well, yeah, okay. I'm really, you know, I've created a lot of this the things that are potentially now limiting me are, like, things I set in motion at a certain point. I just didn't realize they wouldn't be malleable, like, later on. Um, So, yeah, new producers stopped playing the guitar, wrote on piano, like, kind of everything, um, you know, tried to, tried to, um, or didn't even try to just let, like, everything else I, like, filter in, you know, whether it was yeah, like a Madonna song or a Jana Jackson song or yeah, I'm really into kraut rock, so like lots of like like if there's gonna be guitar on this record, it's going to be like Ebo, like Mikko Rother style or something. Um and uh you know, little bits of reggae, whatever, you know, just literally whatever. Um and uh I thought I would just like sort it out, you know, how it, how it would work. Later, but it was ultimately just like I felt like uh, I'd painted myself into a corner, and that if I were to put out this record as Dum Dum Girls, it would just again be like, how does this compare to like the understanding of Dum Dum Girls? You know, it would be like, what's the Stones record? I'm not the Stones clearly I'm not the Stones, but you know, like the what, Satanic Majesty, you know, like uh, the, yeah. the record where they're all, whoa, and then they're like, whoa, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Cool, going back, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back. That was not what I meant. Um, but, you know, I was just like, I just don't want to, I don't want to feel like I don't have, like, um, authority over my own music. Like, you know, or the not even the right, but like, I don't want to be made to feel like if i do if i explore some genre i've not done before that it's like a bullshit or not not appropriate not my right it's like ser- like who are you
1: <laughs> like, it's i think it's smart because you know you you can come back to the dum dum girls you know like and it's and it's also telling your fans that this is different
2: yeah know? and that that was the other thing like i felt like you know i had i uh it wasn't easy nor was it planned at all that this is how this would happen like the Chris control thing was like a last minute solution that like seems now it's like oh meant to be perfect like totally makes sense but it was like I, we had no idea what what it was going to be if it wasn't going to be Dum Dum girls but I didn't want to be cut like part as, as much as it was starting to be frustrating like the limitations of Dum Girls, it's also because it's such a thing and it's a precious thing to a lot of our fans and it like is an empowering thing, especially for young women. And I was like, I don't wanna fuck with like the infrastructure of Dumnum Girls, like how I'm gonna tour it, because like this is a completely different record. It's like not a four piece rock band record, you know. Yeah, it's I, like, no,
1: I think it's really val I think it's being really fair to the fans.
2: Yeah, and I was like, it's a thing. I don't wanna I don't wanna dismantle or destroy like this thing that yeah. they love. And that really like has a life of its own. So like I can very easily just step away yeah. from that, and that stays, and that's better. Like if you see me on stage with my two producers as the band, you know, wearing some sort of red pantsuit and. There's not a single guitar on stage, and I'm calling it Dum Dum Girls, and I'm doing like a song that kind of sounds like Ace of Bass. Like it's yeah, like, yeah. Ser- like what? You know? <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, and Dum Dum Girls was, um, even though it was you know, like on paper still just a solo thing, um, it you know at a certain point I was like, no, it's it's you know it's a band and it kind of lives and breathes on its own, so. I'm not going to try to change that. And and that was also a little bit of a lesson that I learned with Too True, which was just in like all the press and prepping for that. I was trying to reestablish like, look, this is my thing in case it, like you didn't realize this is my thing and it can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, like that was not Really taken to heart. (laughs) Okay, good good to know. (laughs) Good to know. Um, They always latch
1: on to the thing you don't want. It seems like it's
2: funny, yeah. And I really tried to control, and that—that was the other thing. You know, the other kind of like learned the hard way thing was I was really trying to control how everything was perceived, um, but to a fault again, because then it was just like, oh my god, now I've just like made myself, like, even more focused into something else because I've, like, tried to control everything. And with this, it was just like, look, there's no template. No one has any idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, the the record is really different song to song. I mean, and there's obviously things that tie it together, but it's basically, it's six songs from one producer who's, like, wildly different from the four songs from the other producer. Um, The songs are, as I said, like... They're different song to song, and then each song is produced pretty differently. So I was just like, Yeah, let me let me see what you got now. <laughs> like there's no rule here, there's no template. And that was important for me to establish because now I feel like going forward I don't have to worry about any kind of like context that I'm not presenting myself, you know?
0: Definitely. I mean, was that experience like would you describe as, like, liberating or more, like, daunting or sort of both?
2: Um, It was daunting on, like, the confrontation (laughs) side of things. Um, And also, you know, like, I was very aware that, you know, for all of the Dunham Girls fans that, you know, like me and, like you know, love my songs or, like, love how I sing them or whatever, there's, like, a ton that are, like, you know, fans of the other different members or, you know, fans of the fact that it was, like, an all-female band. And, you know, it I knew that even though, to me, I'm like, but it's st- it's always been my thing. And, like, I read the song. Like, if you... Eh. You know, I was like, I, I can't expect that it's going to translate entirely at all. Um, but... The more I thought about it, the more I was just like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Like, if I put out this record as Domino Girls, it's a waste of a record, basically. Like, it won't go off like it would go off if it didn't have like baggage, right. kind of. Um, so I was like, fine with that. I was like, I'll get a job. You know, you know, like I'm. Bro- I, well, I started DJing. You know, it's like I, I would rather. I would rather that, and I also, you know, started thinking about when I started Dumb Girls, which was, you know, I'd played in a bunch of bands, and I was super burnt out and unhappy, and it was just me trying to get back into, like, a healthy relationship with music where I didn't, like, hate my life and hate, you know, art or whatever. Um, so I, you know, had some bullshit job and, you know, would come home from work super tired, and I would just stay up for hours, like, writing just because... That's I was compelled to do that and it was, you know, I was the poorest I'd ever been um, the, you know the busiest but also, you know, spending 9 to 10 hours a day working something stupid but it was like all for the cause type thing. I was probably the happiest I'd been in a long time you know, or, you know, at, at any point just because it was exciting and challenging and like a struggle um, so I was like, I'm I'm ready for that. I, I thrive, you know, in that environment. Um, I don't like feeling bored or like it's a cakewalk or something. I'm like very concerned if that ever, you know, if I'm like, wait, this is like, I'm I'm a sloth like person right now. So I appreciated that uh, I was going to have to work extra hard because I'm a hard worker. So I was like, bring it I'm ready. But on that note. It went over really well like i can honestly say only like of people that reached out to me directly because now that's a thing that fans do is they tweet something at you you know and, and you see it um very few negative reactions um and I'm also like willing to like explain if somebody's like, what the hell? Like, why did you do this? You just like, oh, and then I also did this thing that was crazy where I just changed all the handles of my existing social media. <laughs> Instead of making new ones, I was like, fuck that. I like worked eight years to get all these people. I'm not starting over. Um, but I want to read you. Oh, wait, maybe I took a
0: picture. My sister has done stand up. My sister's like um, on television and stuff, and she's done stand up. Can she... I meet her? Yeah, totally.
2: I want to be a comedian.
0: Yeah, she's a comedian. I'm not joking. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk after. Um, But uh, (laughs) she's been doing stand up where she like reads tweets that people send her, and like some of them are so insane. I got one today that was like, "Hey, can can I have your permission to marry your sister and copy my sister on it?" And I was like, "No, I'm not going to respond to you." But like, what do you think I'm going to (laughs) say? Like,
1: yeah, dude, (laughs) sounds like a sounds like a good match. It's
0: weird.
2: Sounds uh, like an asshole.
1: Yeah, it does.
2: Okay, this is Lee M. Arnold, whose last message to me was in 2012, which was a nice message. I can help. Oh, I can't help but think if you and Summer Twins did some shows together, that would be an amazing double bill. Which is like it must have been that band. I think I played with them at like a Burgerama Fest a couple years ago. Okay. Anyway, so now April eleventh, 2016. Please don't do this. You are a very bright light and a beautifully dazzling sky. This top 40 pop, they're never going to love you the way that we love you. How much of your own life have you given up for commercial success? Though beautiful, and I have judged more than once in person, your (laughs) ass will never pass over into the realm of the tacky pop fuck. So there's, like, three main issues with this, which is, first of all, he's a sexist asshole and go fuck himself. (laughs) Secondly, how much of my own life have I given up for commercials? Because I'm really successful now as Chris (laughs) to Control, like, super successful. And it's not top four. Anyway, I just wrote back, seriously.
1: P.S. I'm 13 years old.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sorry if you're little, but, like, that's fucking... Yeah, obnoxious. Like, who does that? Yeah, what do you expect? You're
0: gonna be like, oh, thank you so much. Oh
2: my God, I can't believe I almost (laughs) made the (laughs) biggest mistake of my life for money (laughs) because somebody came to my house and offered me a bag of money if I would stop Dum Dum Girls and like write a different record. I was just like, I don't. I've given up. Like, what? I don't have success. I'm poor now. Like, I had success maybe before, but anyway. That was, like, one of five.
0: So don't do that is the lesson here.
2: Don't be that guy. Yeah. And if you are that guy, I'm going to try to help you understand why that guy is a fucking asshole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was good. That was fun, huh? Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, I I can be around for some of these.
0: I'm glad, too. Um, So, yeah, if you liked... uh, Kristen's music, check out Dum Dum Girls, obviously, and check out her new record, Excommunicate, when it comes out on Sub Pop, on May 27th, which is super soon, which I can't believe. It's already talking about the end of May.
1: Yeah, it's coming up, man, summertime. Summertime. And living is easy.
0: Yes, speaking of summertime, if you want to see United Nations this summer. Hey, uh, really? Yeah, we'll be playing June 21st in Boston at Great Scott. Great Scott! And June twenty second in Brooklyn at Saint Vitus, and we'll be touring with Relayer, which is features a going off track past guest Trevor Debrau from Pelican, who's also United Nations as publicist. It's
1: probably tough for you to tour and not be touring with some former guest of going off track. At this, at this point,
0: point, it sort of is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Trevor's band Relayer just put out this album called Delayer. Oh, and It's fucking awesome. I've been listening to it a lot. I actually think you would like it, Brad. I'll send it to you.
1: I will check it out. It's really cool. I'm Um, also going to plug my record label. Oh, yes. Soundwag label is reactivated. Probably by the time this comes out, I think the first release, Playdate, should be out to re-release of a friend of mine's band. Um, What are they called? They're called Playdate. Okay, gotcha. Not Play Space Date. Or Playmate. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I think that comes out like the 27th or something. And then there's a Goops release a week after, so. Goops B-Sides. Some unreleased material from our early days. It's some really good shit. There's some a couple of songs that were on our first record that are actually much better versions.
0: We should do Going Off Track where you are the guest. <laughs> and you can promote your new album. Okay, we'll see. We'll see.
1: <laughs> um...
0: So yeah, thanks to Kristen for coming by. Thanks to RubberTracks for letting us do this. Um, if you want to support us, go to goingofftrack.com. You can donate a dollar, whatever. Everything helps pay our server costs. You can leave us a nice comment on iTunes. You can tweet at yeah, us. Yeah,
1: speaking of iTunes, s- apologies if uh, some of you subscribers are getting late uh, additions. It seems like our, the, we usually go live Wednesday morning with all our new podcasts. For some reason, iTunes is being weird. And it's taking a couple days for the feed to update. So So email Apple
0: email <laughs> iTunes, tell them you want going off track to be their main priority and they need to get their shit together.
1: Yeah. Right? Hopefully, yeah. I don't think it's anything I'm doing in the code. I think it's correct. Yeah. So it's, it's just it's just a quirky it's a quirky format, the pot the iTunes podcast. So Sorry, I guess I'm apologizing for iTunes if that's what's happening. It's
0: magic to me. I have no idea how Brad makes (laughs) we talk in this room and then all of a sudden it's on iTunes. Wow. Yeah. It is magic. It's magic. Thank you, Brad. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. uh, Thanks again to Kristen. Thanks to Brad. Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll be back next Wednesday. Hopefully you'll be able to hear us on iTunes Wednesday. But remember, even if we're not on iTunes, you can download or stream it from goingofftrack.com on Wednesdays.